Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, our ongoing study in the book of Mark takes us to chapter 10, verses 17 through 27. An important question is considered here as a young man comes to Jesus and asks him, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? Now that is a very important question. He's asking what it takes to get into heaven. It's even more important to understand the answer. And in this case, it's going to take some explanation. The disciples were certainly confused by Jesus's answer. You might say, how you answer this question is a matter of perspective. Because from a totally human perspective, if we're asking what we must do, the answer is, there is nothing you can do to assure your entrance into heaven. But if we consider God's perspective, the answer is, what you cannot do, God can do. And what God can do, he has done. Even that explanation will require some explanation, and that's why Pastor Jim will take it over from here. Here is today's slice of the sermon entitled, Then Who Can Be Saved? Now don't, don't you go thinking that Jesus was misleading the man, or that Jesus missed a golden opportunity for evangelism. Realize, Jesus knew the man's heart. So think about what Jesus was doing. He was making this man realize that his whole spiritual merit system was flawed. He was trying to make him realize that he was on a spiritual treadmill to nowhere. He was making him realize that he didn't need just one more thing to round out his already impressive spiritual resume. The one thing that he could do that would put him over the top. He was trying to make him face the fact that he was a sinner, which was the fundamental point that this guy didn't grasp. The man was perplexed when he took the bait of what Jesus said and then he responded to him. And verse um, 19, Jesus goes on, you know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud honor your father and mother. Now again, if we add in what Matthew says, Matthew includes the tidbit that when Jesus said, keep the commandments, the man said to him, which ones? And remember, in his view, there were hundreds. So this guy had memorized commandments, biblical and extra biblical, since he was a child. He did everything that his Pharisee mentors had required of him. Why, he had even distinguished himself to the point that he had risen to leadership in his synagogue as a young man. And that was, that was quite the feather in the spiritual cap. Yet here he stands realizing he has no confidence that he will ever taste eternal life. He is standing there before the Son of God as the shining testimony to the futility of legalism. He had worked his way up the ladder of pseudo-spirituality to the top few rungs, and he still, he still 
doesn't have a clue what to do. So he says, which ones? It's kind of a pathetic question. He should have been crying out, be merciful to me, the sinner, like the tax collector in Luke. Instead, he's continuing his quest to find that that one last button to push by his own fleshly, fleshly efforts to in order to be good enough for God to like him well enough to grant him entrance into the kingdom of heaven. Now, Jesus' answer this time is nearly as enigmatic as his first response. This time, when the guy said, which commandments, Jesus included six of the Ten Commandments. And from Matthew, we know that Jesus included um, what is regarded as the second great commandment. Actually, Jesus included five of the last six of the Ten Commandments. I misspoke there. The first great commandment, as it's described in the Gospels, summarizes the first four of the Ten Commandments. That's the words, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That's what the first four commandments are about. The second great commandment is the summary of the last six of the Ten Commandments. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So it's interesting, Jesus quotes five of the last six of the Big Ten. But there's something remarkable and rather ingenious here that's pretty easy to miss. Which of the final six of the Ten Commandments did Jesus omit? I probably shouldn't have asked you that because I'm going to lose you for the next five minutes while you try to remember the Ten Commandments. But also, I'll answer for you, okay? The one Jesus didn't mention is the Tenth Commandment, which is Exodus chapter 20, verse 17. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. That's significant. And let me show you why. Go back to the encounter between the rich young ruler and Jesus. Mark 10, verse 20. And he said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these things from my youth up. Ooh, that's not a good thing to say to Jesus. Now again, there's a little more in Matthew that helps us know how this guy was thinking. Matthew 19, 20, the young man said to him, all these things I have kept, what am I still lacking? He reeks of spiritual pride. He regards himself as a superior commandment keeper. I just want that one last thing to put me over the top. Now, obviously, this guy wasn't around for the Sermon on the Mount, or if he was around for the Sermon on the Mount, he he sure didn't get it. He was thinking, I haven't murdered anyone, but he didn't understand or he wouldn't admit that anger is the same essential sin as murder. It's just a matter of how far down the road you go in acting on it. He hadn't cheated on his wife. But he didn't understand her. He wouldn't admit that that lascivious second look based upon the evil desire in the heart, even though it can be very well camouflaged, that's the same sin as adultery. You just haven't gone as far down the road in acting upon it. 
he hadn't stolen things. But as a wealthy man, he either didn't understand or he wouldn't admit that failing to use his possessions for the glory of God wisely and to help others was like stealing from God. Surely he was not blatantly telling lies, but he didn't understand or he wouldn't admit that his own heart was deceitful and desperately wicked, and even he didn't know the depths of his own sin. He probably hadn't shamed his parents. Why, to be a young leader in the synagogue, he was probably their pride and joy, but he didn't understand or he wouldn't admit that a grumbling attitude of obedience is just as wicked as rebellion. It's just not acted out all the way. He proved he was clueless about his sin. If he could stand there and look Jesus in the eye and say he had always loved his neighbor as himself. The moment he said that, he revealed his guilt about bearing false witness. Because he was lying. You can't perfectly keep those commandments. Now can you see why it's significant that Jesus held back the Tenth Commandment? The man was asking the question, what am I still lacking? And Jesus knew that the guy didn't get it when he said, all these things I have kept. But Jesus also knew that the greatest sin that kept this man in bondage was his attachment to the worldly things that he possessed. And the fact that he obviously always coveted more. The guy missed the whole point. He's a, he's a great example of how effectively Satan can hijack Scripture. He, he can take the very law of Moses and twist it. Do you understand that never once, not for a moment, was the law, the Old Testament law, the Mosaic law, it was never meant to be the way for a person to climb the ladder of spiritual success until he achieves eternal life? That was never the purpose of the law. The law was given to reveal our sin, to drive us to our knees because we would know we need a Savior. That's why the law, the law of Moses was given after Israel was already chosen. It was given after Israel was redeemed, after Israel was given their miraculous deliverance from Egypt, after they were given miraculous food and water in the, in, in the wilderness after Israel was led to safety by God, after they were saved from death at the hand of Pharaoh, after they were promised the land as a, as a gift from God, the law was always designed by God to show Israel how to live by faith, having been saved by His grace, which He had sovereignly bestowed upon them. The law was to be the means of God blessing His people when He gave them the land that He promised Keeping the law was the way to demonstrate their understanding of God's goodness and, and to worship Him from a, a pure heart. So Jesus zeroed in, in His answer to this guy, on His heart. Not only did this man own much property, but that property owned Him. That's what Jesus is getting at. So look at verse 21, Mark 10. Looking at Him, Jesus felt a love for him. He always did. He, his heart was broken by the people who were rejecting what they should have known. He, he felt sorry for them. 
If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.